0: Welcome to the podcast of Mosaic Church, celebrating diversity within community. The word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. Get up, go to the great city of Nineveh and preach the message I tell you. Jonah got up and went to Nineveh according to the Lord's command. Now Nineveh was an extremely great city, a three-day walk. Jonah set out on the first day of his walk in the city and proclaimed, in 40 days Nineveh will be demolished. And then the people of Nineveh believed God. They proclaimed a fast and dressed in sackcloth, from the greatest of them to the least. And when word reached the king of Nineveh, he got up from his throne, took off his royal robe, put on sackcloth, sat in ashes. And then he issued a decree in Nineveh. By order of the king and his nobles, no person or animal, herd or flock is to taste anything at all. They must not eat or drink water. Furthermore, both people and animals must be covered with sackcloth, and everyone must call out earnestly to God. Each must turn from his evil ways, from his wrongdoing. Who knows? God may turn and relent. He may turn from his burning anger so that we will not perish. God saw their actions that they had turned from their evil ways. So God relented from the disaster that he had threatened with, them with, and he did not do it. Let's pray. God, this morning as we sing about your faithfulness, as we sing about knowing that all that you do is good, and we ask that you continue to be faithful, continue to do it again and again and again in our lives, we come to the story of the Ninevites who were an unfaithful people, but they cried out to a faithful God, and so would we hear that story anew this morning, we pray. Through your Spirit, would you move our hearts in your name. Amen. So, this morning, so earlier early this week, as I, I do every Monday morning, I'll, I, I am reading through the scriptures as hopefully you are joining me. I'm highlighting all the promises of God, and so if you started in Genesis, you're likely, and if you're doing three to four chapters a day, you're likely through the middle of Exodus at this point. You've been able to see the Israelites come out of captivity in Egypt and into the freedom in the desert. And so another thing I do, and so hopefully you're joining me on that, and you may not be going in that order, and if you're not, I hope that whatever it is that God is showing you... um, You're notating his promises. Uh, I am. uh, Someone confessed to me this week, and I can't remember who it was, but they're just not like a journal person or write-it-down type of person. I am not either. I think I confessed that on the front end. But one thing I'm also trying to do is just write down all the times in my life that I can remember God's faithfulness. Um, So I encourage you to do that. But one of the things I do on top of those type of things each week is I'm also, every Monday I'll go and see what the lectionary reading is that week. So if, you, if you're not super familiar, we've been actually going through the lectionary for the last, I don't know, maybe, uh, maybe like four or five, six months, something like that. And the lectionary was really just a, church fathers came together, and I'm going to cough, so I'm going to mute this real quick. the church fathers uh, got together, some people got together and said, hey, we want to be able to lay out Scripture in such a way that as we teach through it, what we're doing is teaching through all of Scripture, that we're not just we're not skipping over anything, but we're also not just harping on one thing or the other. And so if you ever go and like just Google a lectionary, or maybe you have it on a printed form, uh, what you'll notice is that there's basically uh, four different readings, one from the Old Testament one from the New Testament, one from the Gospels, and usually one from Psalm. And there's uh, three years in the lectionary calendar, A, B, and C. And so if you follow all that, if, if, if a church, and we're not going to do this all the time, but if a church were preaching all the way through the lectionary all the time, in the course of three years, every three years, they would get, get teaching on basically the entire Scripture. Uh, that's kind of the idea of it. And so every week I get out. The lectionary and see what the readings are that week. They're never uh, super long. And I read all of them and just see, you know, uh, as I'm praying through God, what, it, what may you be bringing. And sometimes God's told me something completely different. That's great. That's kind of how last week was. Um, but this week, one of the, the, the Old Testament scripture was Jonah, Jonah 3. And it was actually verses 1 through 5. Well, for goodness sakes, it's only five more verses, so we just went through the whole thing. But as I was reading it, here's what stood out to me. Verse 4, Jonah set out on the first day of his walk into the city and proclaimed in 40 days Nineveh will be demolished. Verse 5, then the people of Nineveh believed God. For whatever reason, I've read Jonah a bunch of times. In fact, I don't know how well this shows up on the on stream here. But it's like you can read... In my Bible, it's all on just two pages. You don't have to flip anything. All of Jonah's right here. You can read it in probably 10 minutes. Um, I've read it a bunch. I've read Jonah a bunch. But for some reason, as I was reading it, that line just popped out to me. In fact, I I sat at my office desk, and I ended up reading just that one line about five different times. Like, man, they heard it, and they believed God, and the people of Nineveh believed God, And it talks about what their belief drove them to, right? And so we're going to talk about that. But the interesting thing about Jonah, and we see the people's response. They hear the word of God, they believe God. Isn't that what we hope, right? That that is our prayer, is that we want people to hear the word of God and to believe it. And if we're honest, we would like for them to probably we'd like some credit on that. I mean, if we're being honest, like, hey, I'd like for it to be like the people that I, that I know and that I love and that I care for who don't yet believe. Like, I would want them to hear the Word of God and believe God, and I would like it to be, if I'm being honest, because I told them, right? I wanted to be the, the Jonah character who said, repent, this is bad news you're going on, and then just believe God. And that was that is kind of what I would hope would happen, right and we we often know that doesn't happen. I remember as a kid, um growing up in the eighties, there was a lot of uh, like one of the big deals, and it started earlier in this, but it was still happening when I was a kid. Uh, there was uh the evangelism explosion. people were going by and door knocking and doing that kind of thing and saying, "Hey, have you can I take a few minutes of your time?" and that was where a lot of those one liners came out of. If you were to die tonight, you know where you'd spend eternity? That kind of thing, right? Uh, I'm just going to be honest. Um, my friend Terry has told me stories about him doing that, and people did. Not a lot, but he had some stories where people actually did change their lives. I think if I'm remembering right, one of the stories Terry told me was there was a guy he was with, and he saw it. I don't think that that happened with him specifically, but I'm just going to be honest. That never happened to me. Any of those times I said that, just never yeah, or that or any of those other kind of things that just never happen. But that's what we want, right? Like we would really love to be able to just walk through a city and say, repent, it's going to be destroyed in 40 days if you don't. And people just believe that and say, I want to repent. I want this to be true. I want to believe in this God who, is, who has the power to destroy a city, but also hopefully will relent from that. So uh, that's kind of what we hope. But the interesting thing about Jonah is that Jonah, more than any of the other prophets, and we do see other prophets that have this, but Jonah is so short, and it stands out so much broader than Moses and Jeremiah, who also, and really even Samuel to a degree, who heard God's call and kind of initially is like, I don't know. Uh, Moses never told God no, he just had a bunch of excuses, right? I stutter, I have a, some kind of speech thing, I, I'm, not, I'm not bold when I get up to speak, I, you know, I can't do this. He, he never said no, God. Jonah actually said nope, and he went the other way. And so we get all of chapter 2, right, where Jonah's praying in the belly of the great fish because he's been thrown overboard, and there's all that kind of stuff. But the really the thing I like about Jonah... Because Jonah makes the call of God real, right, to me. Because when I look at Abraham and I see Abraham's response to the call of God, it doesn't seem like reality to me. (laughs) I've never once heard God say, fire, go do this. And it's like a completely, you know, stark change in my life like it was for Abraham. And we say, sure, let's go. With no hesitation, (laughs) like... I'm more like the Jonah character, right? I mean, even Peter, for all his things that he failed, when Jesus called him, the story we get of it, we don't really know exactly, we weren't there, but the story we get from it is Jesus called Peter, he left his nets, he left his fishing business, and took off and followed Jesus. And for me, that's never been, like for me, I didn't go kicking and screaming, but I always, <laughs> well, let me pray about this and make sure, you know, it was always kind of that thing. And it, Jonah portrays the human response to the call. A lot of the other prophets focus on the on the cause of why God is calling somebody out. We don't get a lot of that about Nineveh. We hear Nineveh is a bad city in chapter one, and their hearts are against God, and that's about all we got, right? You know, with Jeremiah, we hear a lot about the exile and how the people of Israel have done that. And we, you know, if you read the stuff leading up to it, and even in Kings and Samuel where it some of that overlaps, and you read the stories what's going on, we see. Like This is why God is calling this person to this. God called Moses. Why? Because he wanted Moses to lead his people out of Egypt and into the land that God had called them to. And so a lot of those other prophets focused on the reason that the person was called in. But Jonah really, one of the things that stands out in Jonah more than anything is like the human response to the call. Because that really is what the entire book is about. Jonah's whole response to the call, and initially God said, come And he said no, and he went the other way. And so because of Jonah's response to this call, we have this great storm, this boat that's about to be capsized. These people, they finally throw him over, and then this fish swallows Jonah, and then we read Jonah's prayer in the belly of the great fish, and he spits it up, and then God calls him again, and it's Jonah's response to the call, right? Chapter 3 is all like Jonah walking through the city and doing this, and the people's response to God's call through Jonah and then we see in chapter 4, just to foreshadow that a little bit, tell you what's coming up, chapter 4, Jonah's mad at God because God relented <laughs> and he didn't destroy the people, which is interesting. We're going to talk about that. But I love it about Jonah. So there's three things that stand out in Jonah 3 that really we get because we know the rest of the story, and one of those things is God's persistence. Right? We see God's persistence... We see God's responsiveness, and then we do see God's universality. So God is not just, this is not just for the Israelites, it's for everybody, um, which was different for the Old Testament. So let's start there. God's persistence. As this story begins to unfold, what we see is God... uh, He does a couple things, right? He calls Jonah. Now, if you read chapter 1, the very first words, The word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai, get up, go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it because their evil has come up before me. Very next verse, Jonah got up and fled the other way. Chapter 3 starts out, The word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. Get up, go to the great city of Nineveh and preach the message I tell you. The call of God was the exact same. Get up, go to Nineveh, and preach. Tell the people what I'm going to tell you, which is prophesying. It's taking the word of God and telling it to the people. So go do this. The call was the exact same. God didn't give up just because Jonah left. He said, This is your responsibility that I'm putting on you go do it, right? As the story unfolds, God changes the promises of punishment to Nineveh, much to Jonah's regret, and extends forgiveness to the repentant people. And throughout the process, God persists in requiring and rewarding righteousness. So one of the persistent things that God does is he's requiring righteousness. And this story of Jonah Not only was the call persistent, but God's requirement of righteousness was persistent. Jonah was not being right in the eyes of God. He was running the other way. God doesn't just say, okay, he's running, let me get somebody else. He calls Jonah back to righteousness. That's the same message he gives to the Ninevites. He says, I'm going to destroy you guys. But they do what's right in God's eyes, right? They took off their clothes and put on sackcloth, they rested in ashes, they cried out to God, they fasted by a king's decree, said, we're not going to taste anything. Hopefully, maybe God will relent. And God's persistence for righteousness was shown faithful because God was just saying, I want you to be righteous, I want you to do what is holy and just, what is right in my eyes. But I also think it's interesting that calling thing that we mentioned first, right? Jonah in chapter one was called in the exact same way that he was called um, in chapter three. It was the exact same. that Jonah's response could have been the exact same, right? God didn't say, go do this or else. God said, get up and go. It left room in Jonah's response to say, no. (laughs) Maybe I'm not going to to, uh, Tarshish this time. Maybe I'm going the opposite direction. But what I'm not doing is going to Nineveh. He could have done that. There was nothing put on that call for Jonah to say, if you don't. I'm going to squash you. I'm going to kill you. I'm going to throw you into a fish, and this time I'm not going to be so nice about it. Both times, God just said, get up and go. Giving Jonah some freedom there, but God was being persistent and continuing to call Jonah, which I think is encouraging to me. Because if I'm honest, there have been times in my life where I know God has asked me to do something. And it was difficult or it was embarrassing or, you know, whatever it was in my brain that I tied into that, that's what it was. And so I I probably used all these good religious kind of lingo and different things to say this is why I'm not going to do that. But I didn't do it. And the beautiful thing about the story of Jonah that we see from God is God, while there was some corrective measures that were put in place, When God called Jonah, he called him the exact same way. We don't see God say, this is your last chance. We don't see God say, if you don't do it, you're dead. We don't see any of that. Just get up and go. Get up and go. That is encouraging to me because as a human trying to follow a completely holy God, some of the things that God asks me to do don't feel comfortable. And sometimes I say no. If I'm being honest, I say no, I'm not going to do that. I've passed by more people than I would like to count, that I felt like God was compelling me to say something or do something, and I excuse it away. Now I have oftentimes been obedient to that, <laughs> but probably as many times I've been obedient that I've been disobedient to that. And sometimes when I get my humanists involved, I start to think, man, I am horrible. I'm bad. The next time I stub my toe, it's probably this is punishment because I didn't do the right thing. Like, God is angry with me. And it, and we don't see that in Jonah. We, we don't even see God's anger. We see this storm happening, right? But was God faithful in that? Yeah. God saved Jonah because he was saying, hey, throw me overboard. It's better that just me die and I fall into the hands of a of a holy God than for everybody here to perish because of me going the opposite direction. But God was faithful in that. And he provided for Jonah and he saved Jonah through that. And and I love that story. I love that part of the story because it reminds me that God's call comes to me the same every single time. God just called me to do it. It's never under a thumb saying, hey, you got to because I'm going to crush you if you don't. But sometimes I play it up in my brain, and I need to bring myself back to the story of Jonah and say, God, just get up and go. Just get up and go. So we see God being persistent through that call, but we also see God being responsive in this story. Because what did Jonah say to these people of this great city that had their hearts turned against God, right? What did Jonah say? What great message did Jonah have? It wasn't good, and it wasn't long. In 40 days, Nineveh will be demolished. That's what he said. Your translation may have some different words, but it's not much longer. It's not much different. It is there is judgment coming. There's not even... We don't even see a call to repentance, right? Right? And that is probably why in chapter 4 we see Jonah getting mad. That's the interesting thing about Jonah. I cannot imagine feeling like God called me to something. Every time I feel like God's called me to something, right? Like I have these grand ideas when I'm being obedient to that call. I have these grand ideas of how faithful God's going to be, and it's going to be this big, huge thing. And as soon as it happens, people are going to stand up and applaud, and it's going to be this great, big thing. And so I have these visions that it's going to be fantastic. Fantastic for whatever reason, Jonah didn't have those visions. Jonah actually wanted the grandiose thing to happen to be the destruction of Nineveh, and he was mad at God when God didn't do it. I can't imagine being a prophet, going to deliver a message, not ever expecting the people to repent or God to be gracious. But that was what Jonah was. Jonah was, and so his message wasn't, hey, repent. It wasn't, it wasn't the, the John the Baptist message. It wasn't repent and turn back to God for the kingdom of God is near. It is, you guys have been bad and none of us about to be destroyed. Sorry, suckers. I want to get out of here before it happens. The encouraging thing about that. The thing that we can see from Jonah 3 is that the entire thing had nothing to do with Jonah. It had everything to do with God. It was the reason Paul said, hey, guess what? I can speak real eloquently. I choose to use simple words. I choose not to be as... Polished and as great of a speaker as I could be, because I don't want to take the power of the cross away, and that's what Jonah just came with, this message of God that God. And God said, "Go tell him what I told you to tell him." And so we can probably deduce that Jonah's just saying the words that God told him to say. And they weren't great. <laughs> and they weren't polished and they weren't lengthy. In 40 days, Nineveh is going to be demolished. See ya. But the people heard that and they turned to God. It didn't have anything to do with Jonah. His ability to speak, his great, uh, he wasn't a great orator. I mean, maybe he was. We don't know that, right? We don't get that from this one sentence that he was telling these people. It had to do with the Holy Spirit who was convicting and drawing people in. Which is, The great thing for us to hear and to know and to understand individually and also as a church is we don't have to jump through all the hoops and provide all the things, right? The only thing we have to provide is the the words that God has given us to say and to do. And then we can just trust that the Holy Spirit will let that fall on the ears of those who it will. And let the Holy Spirit change people's hearts. I remember when I was first uh, uh, starting out in ministry, I, I was 23 years old. I just started seminary. I just graduated from Clemson. I went up to Gardner-Webb for seminary, thought, I need some experience, so let me go get a job. What do I know how to do? Nothing. Maybe I can be a youth pastor. I'm close enough to being in high school that I kind of remember what that was like. So I put out some resumes and I got a couple interviews and this church in Kings Mountain hired me. And I remember as I began to build these relationships and I got to know these kids and I was praying through these messages and different things and I'd hear stuff that was going on in their lives. One thing that I was tempted to do and actually fell into that temptation of doing it is, man, I'm going to craft this message because this is what this one particular kid needs to hear, right? And I'd spend this time on that because this is what this one, you know, because I knew this one person, this one group of kids needed to hear this message. Like this was just gonna be like the best thing ever. And wouldn't you know it, that Thursday night there was a soccer game, and that kid or that group of kids weren't there. And I began to realize maybe God's just calling me to be faithful. Maybe this message God has for someone else. Maybe this is, it's not going to return to me void. We know that. It's promised in Scripture, right? But I don't know what happens when it goes out. I am not the Holy Spirit. Our job, my job, your job, is just to be faithful with the message that God has given us. The Ninevites' immediate response to repentance stands in Completely stark contrast to Jonah and his initial refusal to follow God. You ever think that the writer of his story kind of set that up for that? Because here's this good Jewish person who's being called by God as a prophet to go to this city, this great city. This, you know, the scriptures say it took three days to walk through it. He's going to this big, great city to be this prophetic voice to go. And he goes, and they turn, the whole city turns their hearts to God. But the writer sets it up in such a way that we see the contrast. Because these people, what? They heard this message. In 40 days, Nineveh will be demolished. And they said, "Uh uh-oh, we better do something about it. The king said, hey, nobody eat, nobody do anything. Like, let's just sit in sackcloth, and hopefully God will change his mind. And he did. Jonah had to be told twice. The good Jewish boy, the good Israelite, who was called by Yahweh to go and do this, had to be told twice. The Ninevites only had to hear it one time. God's response to him has had nothing to do with the messenger or the receiver. It had everything to do with God. And man, do we ever get that backwards? In our own lives, in our churches, sometimes the message becomes more about how we're presenting it, what we're saying, where we're saying it, who we're saying it to, who gets to say it, right? And God has called every believer. We see the universality of God and what He is called. Uh, Jonah too. Peter gets credited with being the person who went to the Gentiles to bring the message of the good news. It happened a couple times in the Old Testament too, and this is one of them. Jonah, this good Israelite boy, this good Jewish boy, he wasn't called to go to Israel, and like Jeremiah was like Ezekiel was, and say, hey, here's these dreams I've had. Here's this vision I've had. Here's these words God's given me for you. This was going to the pagan, the uncircumcised, the unbeliever. God's call wasn't just to a certain group of people. God's call was universal. God's rule and grace extended to the Gentile Ninevites who probably didn't even understand Jonah's language and what he was speaking. But the Gentiles' distress and penitence in the story of Jonah suggests that God offers salvation to everybody, which I think is good for us to hear. Because if you've spent any time on social media over the last probably four years, probably maybe maybe a little bit more, you've seen groups of people on every side of a political spectrum who feel that if you believe this, there's no way. Like you're beyond God's reach. You can't, you can't get there. If you're believing this, if you fall into this, if you believe this conspiracy theory, if you don't believe this conspiracy are you kidding me? Like, how do you not believe this, or how do you believe this and still follow God? Or how do you believe this and still even have a chance at redemption? Like, you're beyond hope. The story of Jonah shows us that there's nobody that's beyond hope. In fact, the person who was probably most beyond hope in this story, and there is nobody because we see that God even redeems and saves Jonah, even in chapter 4. He lets a plant grow up, right? And he brings the fish. All this stuff, of reasons that God saved Jonah that we see in the story. Uh, but if there's anybody who seemed like they were kind of trending that direction, it certainly wasn't the non-Jewish folks in this story. It was, it was the one who was called by God to go. He was the one that had to keep getting corrected. And that's probably, I guess probably if we could add a fourth, and it probably goes with number one too, but God was patient. Man, God was so patient with Jonah. God just called Jonah to, to do what God called each of us to do when we read Matthew 5. In fact, I wasn't going to, but I'll just flip over and read it real quick. Matthew 5. Give me a second, I'll tell you the exact verse, but somewhere around 12, 13, 14, something like that. 13, well, really 14. You are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. That was Jonah. Jonah. Jonah was the one bringing the light into the darkness. That's our call too, right? God calls us to this, to this vocation. You are the city on the hill. He said to the multitudes on the, on, the, on the mountainside. He didn't isolate the 12 disciples. There was all kinds of people with them, And Jesus said, you all are the light of the world. A city on the hill can't be hidden. Your job is to be a light. It was on Jonah, and it's on us, to display the kingdom of God. Now, Jonah's display of the kingdom of God was to say the words of God, which said, hey, destruction's coming. There's some bad things happening, right? And that in itself was good news, because the people understood that they turned from it, and God was gracious. God's called us also to display the kingdom of God. And there's all different kinds of ways that we can do that. And I don't know what God's calling you to, but what I do know that God is not calling us to is to do things that don't display the kingdom of God or that things that would display maybe the exact opposite of that, right? We have Christians who will join a live stream or come into a building on a Sunday morning claim to love God, to follow all of his commandments, including the commands to love your neighbor just as yourself, including the commands where Jesus said, you don't have a right to yourself, right? My call to you is to pick up your cross daily and to carry it, You have to sacrifice what you want for the things that I want you to give to people. And we have believers hearing those words, reading those words, and saying, I'm not wearing a mask. I got my own rights. I can do what I want to do. It's not comfortable. People can't see my smile. People can't. And the whole gospel is saying this has nothing to do with you and what you want and what you like. Jonah's not, do you want to go to Nineveh? I didn't ask you what you wanted to do. That's the, that's the toughest part about Christianity. Because and it's this it's interesting kind of, because God does so many good things for us and we enjoy them, right? God blesses us with health and we enjoy it. God blesses us with resources and we enjoy it. God blesses us with freedom here in the U.S. and we enjoy it. And then we begin to take those things and let them take control of our lives and say, well, if God's good, these things are going to (laughs) continue. And we don't get the message of of Job where it says, I'm God. (laughs) I don't have to let any of it continue. I do because I'm good, but I'm God. It's not about you. It's not about what you want. It's not what you like. And a lot of times that's what we, that's what I, let me put it on me because That's what I try to do is make it about what I like. God's called us to be a city on a hill. God's called us to live a sacrificial life. And he didn't just call us to that. Jesus modeled it. Jesus sacrificed himself so that when our family members die, like Willie's mom and dad in the last month, we're going to mourn and grieve, but we don't grieve as those without hope, right? And that's, that's what Jesus has called us to. Like, that's the ultimate. That's the thing that we get. It's not, can I enjoy the creature comforts here? Can I enjoy all the things here? Can it be about me? God said, you got to put all that away. Jonah learned that lesson. Jonah tried to make it about him. Jonah tried to run from the call of God. God was just as persistent and gracious to Jonah as he was to the Ninevites. My prayer is that we don't get mad when God is gracious to other people. May we remember the grace of God. One pastor wrote this, The story of Jonah affirms the character of God as preserving, responsive, and merciful to all who repent. While the Assyrian city of Nineveh is being portrayed as the focus of of the prophecy, the nation of Israel, which is exemplified in its postures and responsiveness of Jonah, is being warned that its narrow and bitter attitude is a rejection of the God of their fathers. As a chosen people who should be light to the nations, They should rejoice with this mission, not merely out of self-interest, but simply out of the fulfillment of the divine command. He's saying that Jonah should have celebrated, that Israel should have celebrated when God showed his grace and mercy on those who weren't believers and those who were living far from God. Not to be mad about it. And so that is the warning for us as well. God's called us to be a city on a hill to display his kingdom and to expect that he would be just as gracious to others as he has been to us. And so I don't know where that sits with any of you this morning. But I feel that's where God led me to this week. And so I hope the Holy Spirit is speaking to you through the words of Jonah, maybe even differently than he did to me. Um, There's some generalities that we can see in that, and I hope that in that we can feel the encouragement knowing that when we blow it, God is, you know, God's persistent and his call comes back to us, but much the same way as Jonah. (laughs) Like, just go do it now. (laughs) You blew it before. Go do it now. That it's going to go to people who I don't even want it to go to. I can think of like 10 people now that I'm like, oh man, those people are beyond hope. And God's word is just generally reminded they're not. They're not beyond hope. My grace is constantly being extended and that God is responsive. Uh, he responds to our Repentance, but he calls us to that. And that's hard. One of the things I got complaints about the most when we did a liturgy was the, was the call to confession and the confessional prayer. Never the assurance of pardon. Nobody's ever mad about that, right? I don't want, I don't want to be reminded of that. We have to be reminded of that. That's where God's constantly drawing us to. Scripture says nobody's good, not one. But we serve a God who's responsive, who is not going to destroy us because of that, but sent His Son because He wanted us to be reconciled to Him. God wants everybody to be reconciled to Him. And the job of us, the church, the gathered worshipers of God that we be those who display the kingdom of God, who seek for the reconciliation of all humanity back to God and work towards that. We may never see it realized, but that's our job. So this morning we're going to pray. I encourage you where you're at this morning to pray for whoever it may be. And for whatever it may be going on in your life, I'm going to pray for the handful of things I know about what's going on in our church body. Um, And you can feel free to share those via email if you want to include those as well. But uh, pray where you're at. I'll pray and then together we'll say the words of the Nicene Creed, these things that we believe about who God is and what he has done for us. So join me this morning as we pray. Gracious and merciful God, thank you that you preserve this story of grace and mercy through all the thousands of years that we can still read and learn and be changed through your spirit using the story of this Jewish boy who was a little bit obstinate, a little bit disobedient. But God, you can use that. It's not a disqualifying factor, and we're thankful. God, I pray that you would let us be encouraged by the story of Jonah. Encouraged that you are persistent, that you are responsive, and that your call is not isolated to one group or a groups of people, but is for everyone. May we not limit it. May we not try to pick and choose who gets to hear the message. God, may we just be faithful to tell it when and where you call us to. May we display your kingdom everywhere that we go and by all the things that we do. God, may you remind us, much like you reminded Jonah, that we don't... You don't call us to have personal rights. You bless us and we enjoy it, but ultimately you call us to pick up our cross every day, deny what we want, and follow you. God, may we be faithful to that. God, we pray for Ted this morning, that you continue the healing process in his foot. We know that it's a critical time, and so we pray, God, for a Healing and for uh, strength to follow all the doctor's instructions. God, we ask that you would be with Willie and his family this morning as they mourn the loss of their dad just three and a half weeks after the loss of their mom. God, would you give comfort and would you give grace in that? And God, would you bring them peace? God, we pray for Jacob as he continues to heal. God, we pray for David as he seeks out the correct treatment and, and uh, has a surgery. God, we pray for your faithfulness and care in that. God, we thank you that you have... Bless this mother this week whose name I cannot remember and, and that you allowed us to be a part of that blessing. But God, ultimately, we, we pray that you would be the one that is known in that story, not Mosaic. God, we are so thankful for your faithfulness. We love you, God. Amen. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. If you would like more information, please visit us at www.mosaiceasley.org.